Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we're going to be talking about entitlement. Yeah. Which is fun, I guess. <laughs> this is my yeah. world and this is the way I want to do it. Right. That's right. That's right. There we go. I was it, like, we got to think of something. It there, just it? seems like you see entitlement all over the place today. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. You're not. Okay. Well. <laughs> It just seems that way to me. As me someone living in the world, I would like to inform you, no, you are not wrong. Uh, we're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about your sense of entitlement, you monsters. Uh, but real quick, we're going to get to uh, our uh, word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Okay, Randy. So we are talking about entitlement. Um, Why? What? What is entitlement? Like, why? Okay, you said I see it all over today. Right. 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 Give me an example. Right. Curious. Right. Because you prompted this. This is your fault. It, It is. It is. This was my idea, and I got it while I was watching you. No, I. No, not at all. Zach is a hard worker. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, watching the news, looking around, seeing, uh, I don't know, you know, first, m- maybe it's easy to see, uh, to name and alienate every single listener group that we have. Uh, see it in teens, you know, there's... Uh, I deserve a job. You need to get me a job. Uh, or or I, job. I deserve your money and I don't need to do anything to have that, it. That, that's, that's right. I that's think right. that's maybe more the teenage mentality. Well, yeah, but uh, we, we, or that was we mine. can say that. <laughs> and the problem is it goes way beyond teenager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, every group. Adult. It's every single group. But it's yeah. different for each group too, I yeah, think. It's yeah. like a different view. Because each group looks at the other ones like they just don't understand. Right. Which is hilarious to Right. Because it's right. like we're all in each category sooner or later. Um, you know, I was listening to a, a podcast uh, a while back, and uh, they were talking about how we've gotten to our current state of things financially. 
And a lot of it starts back in the 40s when uh, soldiers came home from war. And there were a lot of different programs that were beginning that, at that time, including Social Security. Mm. I didn't realize Social Security really didn't exist before then. But today it does. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'm in that group now. I'm actually receiving Social Security and I feel like I'm entitled to it, Zach. You, so wait, wait, wait. So hear me out. So you said that happened after World War II. World War II, yeah. So World War II, we've been fighting fascists alongside uh, <laughs> socialists. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. So then what do we do but create socialized programs that create a sense of Entitlement. What today we call the welfare state kind of began with a lot of programs that started back then. And it wasn't just one party or the other. All parties were on board. Everybody right, right. was saying, oh, we need to do this. Well, you know, because it's not bad when it's not getting abused. Right. But, right. but that's the problem. Is sooner or later, people who get entitled, and when I say people, I mean we all we all suffer from entitlement sooner right. or later. Oh, boy, yeah. It's a matter of whether or not we recognize it. <laughs> and that's what we're really talking about today. Thing. So I guess my definition of entitlement would be what other people feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not me. I'm not right. Not me. No, 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 no. no. Because I out. really do deserve this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wish everybody could see it my way. Then yeah. they'd be right like me. That's right. Um, yeah. But the reason we're talking about this is because it ain't biblical, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the easiest way to put it. Well, first of all, if you look up in a dictionary what the word entitlement means in the Bible, you will not find a thing because the Bible never talks about entitlement. But the idea of entitlement is definitely there. Sure. Well, I would say even the opposite of the idea of entitlement, like, which would be selflessness, yeah. is talked about way A more. whole lot, yeah. And really, we see things like the flesh, the self, sure. Sure. you know, the old the old man. You see those, those kind of ideas throughout the New Testament, at least. And we're always supposed to reject those things. Right. And lean into yeah, yeah. others-focused lives, God-focused lives. Well, w one of the things that you see on the lips of Jesus and on the lips of his followers is uh, the accusation against certain kinds of people, um, uh, the Jewish nation as a whole, uh, that uh, Jesus at one point looks at him and says, don't come back to me with that you're the son of Abraham, you're sons of Abraham. If God wants to, he can make these stones cry out. Well, what is that other than a sense of entitlement? Uh, mm. I really don't have to work on my salvation. I really don't have to do anything about it because I'm a son of Abraham. And as a son of Abraham, which I had absolutely nothing to do with, that was because my parents got together, uh, but I deserve this. Right, right, which is, is really funny, too, because it's so, uh, it's so other from the main storyline of the Bible. Right. Uh, I've been listening a little bit to uh, the Bible Projects podcast recently. Right, and they're big on salvation history, the story, the meta-narrative. Well, the one they're current, eh, if not currently, they were just going through it. But they were talking about 
uh, the firstborn son narrative throughout <laughs> Scripture. Yeah. And yeah, how yeah. we don't even really think about that because we don't live in a culture right, uh, that, right. that does the whole, you know, firstborn gets a, you know, a double portion. A thing. double portion. Um, but we're talking about a, a society that 100% thrived on yes. that culture. Yes. And a lot of that's probably because they were an agricultural uh, society. Yeah. And so. And you we're know, talking about land. Right. It's about land, and that matters when you're growing crops, right? That's right. Like, so yeah. a double portion's a big deal. That's right. Um, and they actually get into a really interesting bit about, like, you know, what, what it, would the Bible have been written the same if it was hunter-gatherer tribes? Like, what would it have been like? You know what I'm saying? Like, And it's like, wait, what? I'm going to have to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, but we, it's so weird that we miss the fact that that God rarely— if ever, sides with the firstborn. Other than Jesus, does he? Uh, yeah, I think so, but uh, it is pretty rare. He looks at the heart, not at the order. Right. And, and when and sorry, to, to kind of tie this up for anybody listening, um, the, the firstborn is kind of representative of that entitlement. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this is my birthright, so, and I deserve it. What is the firstborn, and what rights did the firstborn have? The the firstborn is the firstborn son right. to a family, and their and rights. It's got to be a son because right. all of the girls you just don't count at all for inheritance, right? And like it even goes into as much as even if the firstborn is born to your like if you have multiple wives, right? Which you're not supposed to, right? By Old Testament right. terms, anyways. But if they did, um, even if you had a firstborn son by the wife you didn't like. Right. As much. Right. Right? Like, think like the uh, Leah and Jacob Rachel. and Leah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so even if that is who has the firstborn son, then that's still the firstborn. Yes. And, and so, like, it's a big deal. Like, it even transcends, mm-hmm. like, the boundaries of love versus a political marriage. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so this is like a, this was a very real thing in their culture, but it created sort of this sense of, I deserve this just because of who I am, which is really funny because how many people, when they get called out or don't get their way, go, do you even know who I am? How often do you hear that? Oh, my goodness. That is like the phrase right now in Colombia. Really? You don't know who I am. And that's actually a threat when they say it that way. Yeah. It's like, I'm a big deal. Exactly. I mean, it's Ron Burgundy, which is a terrible quote for this (laughs) podcast, but (laughs) I'm sort of a big deal. Uh, But... (laughs) Don't watch it. Don't watch Anchorman. It's not good for you. But it's a funny quote. Um... Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. 
Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. So I didn't know it came from there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, he's trying to he's trying to hit on the girl, and she's yeah. just not having it. And he's like, eh, "I'm sort of a big deal." It's just like, yeah, who says that? It's horrible. But how often do we feel that way or exactly. say things like that? But yeah, we don't say it, but we really do feel it. So Tim Mackey on this podcast was talking about his sons. Yeah, and he said, "How?" But this this idea, this this mentality is just in each of us. He said. You know, my little boys, he's like, you know, we're standing in line for like a popsicle or something. And they're fighting for the first in line. <laughs> and he's like, I'm standing back here and I'm like, guys, you're like, you're both going to get popsicles. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, calm down. But he's like, but they don't understand that because they want to be first because it's best to be first. Because if you're first, you've done the best job or you get the first pick right, and you're going to get the right. best. Maybe I'm going to get the bigger piece of pizza. Maybe I'm, you know, and it's like in the end, who cares? Yeah. But we all do on some level. Yeah, we and do. And the Bible is trying to wean us off of that mentality and go, <laughs> stop it. That's not how you're supposed to be wired. So in the law of the Old Testament, the firstborn was to receive a double portion. If there were three sons, the father would divide uh, the property into four, and the oldest one would get two portions, a double portion. Right. So the oldest would get half. The two younger brothers would get a quarter piece, and so on and so forth. But it doesn't work that way in Scripture. No. Well, culturally. And it's even spelled out that way that that's how it's to work, oh, but it yeah. doesn't always. But it doesn't. God, God does got, what God does. You got Abraham's two sons, right? Ishmael right. and Isaac. Yeah. And Isaac walks away with the firstborn. Ishmael, even though is actually Ishmael driven. is the firstborn son to the wife that Abraham doesn't love. That's right. Given part of that is, I mean, God says that Isaac's the chosen one, right, of the two. Yeah, but God doesn't tell them to send him away. No, that's an Abraham decision. That's an Abraham thing. Well, technically a Sarah decision, and right. Abraham yes. is just not going to yes. fight his wife because yes. he knows better. But okay, <laughs> so let's throw that one out. So we've got Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Esau is the firstborn. I, see, these are all hard because this one's not God choosing it either. This is Jacob stealing it. Yeah, Jacob and Rachel. Yeah, no, 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 no Rebecca. Rebecca. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. The R names in the old. Oh Testament, yeah, yeah. It's, it gets I tough. I uh, and on, the R's and J's. Yeah. J's for the guys. R's for the girls. I'm, right. I'm out. Um, but I, I do my best. Um, but yeah, they steal it. Yeah. So yeah. so there's de- so. Okay, so let's throw that one out. Let's well, no, go no, to let's, Jacob. Let's not throw it out just yet. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll focus on the heart of God. But first, this is such a big deal. This, I mean, so you want to do Jacob and Esau? They steal it, right? What was Jacob the one you said? What was the one you just said before that? Uh, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac. Okay, so it turns into this bragging game between Hagar and Sarah, where Sa- right. where Hagar is bragging because she's right. got the firstborn she's son. She's got the child. She's, she's got, got the child. Child, right? Well, Sarah hates her. Right. Sends her off into the wilderness. Right. Now God ends up blessing them. Right. Right. But but still. 
kicked out of the story. And and what is bred out of that? Uh, hatred between the Jews and the Muslims for all of yeah. eternity. I mean, yeah. that's basically what's happened. When the Muslims trace themselves back to Ishmael. Right. Yeah. Okay. But we can go all the way back before the firstborn thing even gets talked about yeah. to Cain and Abel. Yeah, absolutely we could. And that one may be a good one to focus on for what you're getting at, because that's before the politics have worked themselves right. into the story. So... So you, you get Cain and Abel. Cain is the oldest one. Cain has fruit. Uh, Abel uh, tends flocks. And Scripture says that Abel brought the best of yeah. what he had. And yeah. Cain brought some of what he had. Right. And that's literally the way it says it. I've heard people talk about this. Like the problem was uh, that Cain didn't bring an animal. But yeah. I don't yeah, think that's the problem. I don't think problem. that's it at all. He didn't bring his best fruits. He he brought, you know, some. Yeah. Whereas Abel brought the best. He yeah. looked, he said, oh boy, this is God's. This yeah. deserves to be God's. And so Cain kills him. <laughs> yeah, takes him out on a field and beats him to death. Yeah. I mean. That, that's pretty radical. Yeah, but I mean, that's the second or the third and fourth human beings to ever live. <laughs> that's their story. And... A quarter of the human population at that point is a murderer. <laughs> yeah. One out of well, four. Well, 25%. From, from what, you know, the names that we know. Right. But, but, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, th- that is the narrative, but that's not to say it's, you know, that that's all of the people. Right. Exa- I don't yeah. know. But we don't want to get into that. But this, it's just a thing. Like, there is something in people that says, I want it my way. Right. And I deserve it. I deserve this. Even if God says otherwise. Oh, what God says we deserve, nobody would want. (laughs) That's true. We deserve death. We deserve punishment. That's very true. But we look at it and say, oh, no, 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 no. We deserve this blessing. We deserve this good thing. Why? Well, because it's me. (laughs) Well, so so how does that translate to us today? I was thinking about this a little bit. Yeah. I was thinking about like a couple slogans that came to mind. Do you know what Burger King's slogan is? They have they have two. They changed it. And I don't know if they changed is it, it back. You deserve the best. No, no, no. Okay. That's close. It's have it your way. Have it your have way. Have it your oh. way. McDonald's old slogan was you deserve the best you today. You deserve the best today. Yeah, yeah, but why? Do you? Do you deserve the best today? Did Hitler deserve the best today? Did he eat at McDonald's? You know, like, that's, like, that is a cultural thing that you're building oh, yeah. there when you tell yeah. somebody that. You grew up hearing that your whole life? It, this is like the participation trophy mentality. Yeah. You're like, here, you lost and you didn't hit a single ball or catch anything, and all you did was cry when you got up to the plate all year. But we're going to give you this trophy and tell you how good of a job you did. So in 20 years, when you don't show up for work, you're going to be mad that your <laughs> employer fired you. Like, that, I'm, 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 I'm really taking this way out of right. the field and yeah, blowing yeah, it yeah, out yeah, of proportion. Yeah, yeah. But, like, when you do that over and over and over and you inundate people with that mentality, you're right. Think about it. I worked in the restaurant industry for much longer than I ever wanted to. And I commend anyone who still does because you're heroes. But how often have you heard 
the customer is always right. Yeah. Let yeah. me tell you something, Randy. They're they not. Hardly ever. <laughs> <laughs> they they are not always right. Um, you got the may I speak with a manager? I'd like to speak with your manager. Like that is coming from that same place. Um, but what do you expect when you got companies like Uber saying move the way you want? Or you've got uh, people just dropping these little quotes left and right. We say things like, to each their own, live and let live. Like, you do whatever you want. I'm going to do whatever I want. We all just operate in our own little bubbles. And what is I... it, your best you be your best you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, or the one I hear a lot today is, you know, you're perfect. You don't need to change in any way. You're perfect just the way you are. Hey, y'all, you're not. None of you are. Not a sit. I'm not. Randy, you're definitely not. I'm definitely not. I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My wife would agree with you. <laughs> no, but my point is, like, we just, we tell ourselves this. We, it's like these little mantras. And we just, we, we grow up around them. And it's all this stuff people tell you so you feel good about yourself and you buy their product. Right, right. And your parents believe in you because they love you and they right. think you're perfect. Right. But that's because they're willing to see past all of your crazy flaws. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, my parents, dude, my parents loved, like they just bragged on me so much as a kid. And man, they were so wrong because I was such a turd. Like I was awful. <laughs> but they loved me, man. You know, and, and that's great. Everybody should be loved. But you all, we also should not build up entitled humans. Right. So a couple of weeks ago, I preached on, I, I use Chris Pratt in an anecdote yep, yep. in the sermon. And somebody posted online, uh, I think he received the teen award. I'm, I'm not teen sure. Choice it was the or something. Teen Choice Award. Nickelodeon yeah. or whatever. And he was given like three minutes to impart his wisdom with uh, everybody who was listening. And one of the first things he says was, you will hear people tell you that you're perfect. Let me tell you, you are not perfect. (laughs) You're a mess. I'm a mess. And he went on to actually give a... uh, The gospel uh, message. The gospel message, yeah. That's why you need a savior. That's why you need uh, need to recognize that you're not perfect. Yeah. And that's why we live on grace. And I mean, it was beautiful, but absolutely right. We are told we're perfect just the way we are. The Bible says we are imperfect just the way we are. We are a mess. We're a dumpster fire just the way we are. That's such a good term. Because what's (laughs) worse than a a dumpster on fire? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing is worse than that. Um, But, like, the problem is, and the reason I think this needs addressed is, like, you know, the listener may be going, well, yeah, the world's like that. Totally. You know, I see the world like that. Here's the deal. The church is like that. Yeah. And not just like our church, like every church, the capital C church, because that's what people, people are like. People are like that. We are all yeah. entitled sooner or later, whether we realize it. Yeah. I remember hearing pastors talk about wanting to move the church, and they'd be in like an old country church, or sorry, not the church, move the piano in the church, and talk about... The only way you can move the piano across the stage is if you do it like two inches at a time every week. <laughs> and so by the time it's like a year later and the it. piano is on the other side of the stage, nobody realizes that it moved because it happened so slowly. I have seen churches almost split. Like I, I'm not joking, almost divide 
over a change of carpet or wallpaper. Yeah. Like, I, I really do believe a lot of entitlement is not centered on people trying to be selfish. I think a lot of the time it's well-meaning. And I think a lot of the time we tie what we believe is biblical to what is actually traditional. Yeah, yeah. And so then, and so then we get mad about stuff. Yeah, Yeah. I think part of the problem with a sense of entitlement is that we don't even realize that we have it. We assume that this is what is appropriate. This is what is right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, like one that one that I see. Saw a lot growing up. I don't see it as much now. I still do occasionally is um, you need to dress a certain way to go to church. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, that is the Bible literally says the opposite. It literally says don't treat one man differently because he's dressed one way and then you treat another man differently because he's dressed nice. Right. You don't do that. You just treat everybody the same. Just be good to everybody. Like there's there's nothing about like Oh, you've got to be dressed to the brim. Like I don't see that. Right? Is my missing something there? Not. I can't think of any place. I mean, I should have probably studied that one a little bit more before just dropping that mm-hmm. on the air. But to my knowledge, if if I'm wrong, please write to us. I'd love for you to write to us. Let me know. Let me know that I'm wrong. But regardless, um, the the thing is, we're called to be selfless. Right. That's what Christ is calling us to. And the, the reason this is important, why does the Bible take such a stand on this? Think about Jesus. If there is anyone in the history of time, in all of creation, that is allowed to be entitled, <laughs> it's Jesus. Any sentence that starts, I deserve, he could have said legitimately. Yeah. None of us can. <laughs> and, and, and if there's a firstborn that truly is the firstborn... <laughs> You know, I mean, not born, but right, like yeah. but it's, 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 it's a title. Creation. It's a title. It's, it's a title, right? It, it's it's not that he was literally, you know, created. He was not engendered, but right. but yeah. that he is he is the one that deserves the first fruits yeah. of everything. Yeah. He is the one that gets the double portion. He is he in gets control. The first popsicle. That's right. He's the first guy in line for the popsicle, and he deserves the green one because he wants it. Um, but what's to say Jesus did? That he emptied himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a whole principle called kenosis. The Greek word for emptied himself is kenosis. And there's a whole principle that tries to understand what it means when Jesus emptied himself. And it's deep. It's deep. So what do you get out of that? What do you get out of emptying himself? Well, um, uh, first and foremost, here is Jesus who was God and became man, 100% God, and he became 100% man. During that period of time, he apparently gave up some of the rights, some of the entitlement that he would have had as God, comes to the earth. Uh, In that passage in Philippians 2, it says that he took on the form of a man, and beyond that, he took on the form of a servant, and then he became obedient And he was obedient, which led to his own death. And the death was a crucifixion, which is the most horrible way that at that point they could imagine a person dying. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I heard Matt Dillahunty. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Big time atheist. Okay. Um, 
he's a genius. Like I would, I don't know that I'd ever debate the man because he's so much smarter than I am. Right. But that doesn't mean he's right. It right. just means he's right. smarter than I am. Right. Um, I, I heard him talking about uh, Satan tempting Jesus, and he said, "I always think this is the stupidest thing ever." He's like, "It makes zero sense." He said, "So Jesus is the God of the universe." And Satan says, if you just bow down and worship me, all of this is yours. He said, that's like you owning a painting and somebody walking in your house and being like, hey, if you give me $500, you can have that painting. He's like, it's already yours, you idiot. And that's his stance, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm going, you're missing it. You, the, the whole point of Satan tempting Jesus is so that Jesus doesn't have to die. Right. Because that's the one thing God yes. doesn't do is right. die. And Jesus has to come do it right. to save us. Well, he doesn't have to. He's chosen to. He's right. decided, right? And so, like, he he is emptying himself to the point that, like, he is liter- literally human. Like, yeah. And I think we forget that. Yeah. I, I was listening to Michael Heiser talk about this today. Um, there was a lady asked a question. She said, why? Um, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that Jesus doesn't know, like, the time or place of... His coming, his second I think that's what she was referring to. I didn't hear the whole question. But Heiser said, well, I don't think we fully address, like, how much he let go of through (laughs) the incarnation. He said, and he quoted this verse. He said, uh, it's Luke 2.52. He said, and Jesus grew in wisdom. That's his thinking. That's his knowledge. In his stature, in his physical build, and in his favor with God and man. He said, he literally started from scratch as a baby. Yeah. And we don't stop to consider that. It's like we think like, oh, he's still like omnipresent and all that. But it's like – and he is in spirit. But like it's like he like set all that aside right. to be human. Now, there are theologians out there who propose that Jesus did not receive like a special divine wisdom that, hey, I am God. Instead, he came to understand that because of what his mom told him about his birth, because of studying scripture, reading the prophecies. Based on Luke 52, I'd say they're right. Yeah. And that's how it seems to me. Right. But it's just like he was perfectly embodied by the Holy Spirit, by God, to the point that like he chose right. Right. He chose to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, but with all that said... Jesus, the God of the universe, did not see the glory of God to be something to be grasped, set it to the side. Philippians 2, right. And we get mad when they get our order wrong at Taco Bell. (laughs) You know know what I'm saying? Like, 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 that is, that's kind of a day and night situation. And like, and we will die on that hill sometimes. I saw a lady. We talked about that lady. We, we talked. I'm still thinking about we her, did. man. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I'm not even mad at her. Like at this point, it was just wild. But like, we all do this. We all have the things we want versus what the Bible says. Right. Jesus says, if you're going to come follow me, he says, well, pick up your cross. He says, because anybody that's not willing to take up that cross isn't worthy of following me. So you told me that you looked through Luther to see what he might have to say about this. Oh, he had nothing. And actually he does. Well, not in the small catechism. Uh, And and not using the word entitlement, but he does have something. 
when he defines sin, he says sin is that within us, and he uses a Latin term. He says it's that within us which is encorvatus en se, curved in upon itself. Oh, I've heard you talk about the this before. The essence of sin is self-centeredness, self-focus, uh, contemplating your navel, uh, you know, uh, believing that the world exists to serve me because I am here. Yeah. And so everything turns back to me. The essence of Christianity, it's exactly the opposite. It is God focus and others focus. Yeah. Yeah, it's this outward yeah. focus. Yeah. It it's the golden rule. The, yeah. the 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 greatest commandment is to love God with everything in you and love your neighbor as you would right. love yourself. Right. Um that's all outward focused. Right. And it puts that before you. Even, yes. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, you're the afterthought. Love right. your neighbor. Well, love them the way you would want to be loved. Right. But you're thinking about your neighbor first in that in that sentiment. Um and also too, to to back this up just for anybody listening. Uh Luther is not like the infallible word in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I yeah. just happened to be thumbing through the small catechism of the Lutheran church and thought it was interesting. So I wanted to see real quick if he had anything. <laughs> um but we are not we are not Lutheran. We're a non-denominational church. So That's we true. we like reading everybody and see what they true. have to say. That's true. Uh and Rick, we love reading Luther oh, because dude. he's he's pretty smart. Okay, y'all, let's take a small little segue here. <laughs> If real quick, I gotta look up what it's called because I have to point you all to it. It's the most insane website ever. Uh, Luther insults. <laughs> Hold on, what's it called? Uh, it's called uh, the Lutheran Insulter. Um, it's ergofabulous.org. When you open it up, it's just something Martin Luther has written at some point in his life, and they're all of his insults towards like the Catholic Church. <laughs> Or, you know, just random people, but they are hilarious, and he is just the worst. Like, definitely, probably not something your kids should read, but... Now, one of the reasons he's hilarious is because most of the insults, when you read them, you come away thinking, was I insulted or was I complimented? Yeah, they're almost... You've got to really think hard on him to realize what he's saying, and... Oh yeah, it's an insult. Well, well, it's written in the you know in fifteen hundred, so like right, it's written in old English. Well, in German, in German translated right. into old English, and then yeah, so they're just crazy. But yeah, he says the a word a lot. So sorry about that. <laughs> don't don't maybe don't actually read this, but if you want to, it's pretty funny. Um, regardless, we can jump around from verse to verse to verse. Um, where was it in John three? Now I'm not going to be able to find it. What does it say? Let's go over to Matthew 16, 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Yeah. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is Jesus speaking, right? Um, oh, I remember. I remember what it was over here. Um, it's John talking, and he says... Oh, he's talking to his – it's uh, it's uh, John the Baptist talking to okay. his disciples. Right. <clears throat> and he he says he the bridegroom – yeah, yeah, but I wanted to give a little context. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. Uh, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. 
that joy is mine, and it's now complete. So John is understanding. Like John, Jesus himself says John the Baptist is the, the greatest, greatest man that's ever yeah. lived, yeah. right? And John is sitting here, and he's counting himself as nothing. Yeah. He says, I'm not even worthy, worthy to tie the straps of his sandals. Right, like, right. I'm nothing to this man, to Jesus. And he says, he must become greater, and I must <laughs> become less. There is no sense of entitlement there. Yeah. But you yeah. know what probably helps that is John has lived a life his entire life to humble himself. Yeah. He's yeah. worn camel's fur and right. what's the belt? Is leather wild? Oh. Uh, I don't remember. I don't yeah. remember. It, it's, he's living off the land. Right. He's eating locusts and wild honey to right. survive. He's a crazy person out in the... I mean, I love his depiction on The Chosen. It's hilarious. But like, it, it's... Creepy it's, John. Isn't creepy that what John. They call him? <laughs> yeah, something like that. But, um, I mean, maybe that points us to a, a very real truth about how we are to, to battle entitlement in our own lives. Uh, I think about, like, Paul saying, you know, set your sights, set your eyes and thoughts on, on, on heavenly things, on the things above, not on these, like, earthly matters. Get your head out of that. That's all fake. Yeah, yeah. That stuff will die and pass. But, like, you need to, to be thinking and considering eternal truths. Right. And I think if, if we keep our eyes on that, at least it's harder to get drug over into the weeds. You look at the devil trying to uh, tempt Jesus, and Jesus just goes to Scripture and just starts quoting Scripture because that's where his head's at. Right. We need to be so entrenched in, in Scripture and in truth and in heavenly matters that when we're faced with you know, whatever temptation, and in this case, entitlement, we just go, well, it's not about me. It's not about me. And and that's kind of been my thing this week. Uh, I, I sat in a class with a pastor friend of mine, Mike Wigan. He was on here uh, a few episodes ago talking about um, Christ together. And we had to come up with a uh, I will statement for the week. And I just wrote down, I want to be more intentional. Because like, how how often do we accidentally fall into these mindsets? But hmm. if you take every moment captive, which is also a biblical right. concept, yep, yep, yep. Um, you're not you're not going to fall off. So so just be 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 on it. Be on your toes. Be thinking. Be recognizing that every moment the devil's trying to tempt you and take you off course. But Jesus is telling you, lay down your life, set your mind and your desires aside, and pursue what is godly and what is true. So I looked up a verse. There was one that I could remember, and I looked up where it was. It's from Paul, 2 Thessalonians. Uh, Paul, the wonderful, caring. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be bad. Let's, just, let's go ahead and dive in. So this is possibly the second book ever written in the New Testament. And Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not eat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, that is post-Jesus, post-resurrection. That's current <laughs> Christianity. Yeah. And Paul's taking the stance like, you don't, you don't get what you don't put in. Right, don't work, don't eat. <laughs> which does not mean... I could see how somebody could twist that up and try and try and take that down like a workspace salvation route. Right. 
but that is not what he's saying. He's no, talking no, no. in earthly no, no, no. matters, like yeah. y'all put in the work. Yeah, yeah. You don't just deserve food just because you think you right. deserve food. Right, right. Is part of that? I don't know. I don't know that the U.S. Because I mean, look, we can sit here and talk about whatever country we want in the world, but we don't live there and we don't know how they work. Right. Like, I don't know the mentality of. A, a British person, let alone somebody living in like Kenya. You know right. what I mean? Sure. Because um, I'm not from there, but I am from America. And it seems like there, just over the course of my life, has been a huge increase in entitlement. Huge. Um, so if you go all the way back to like the pilgrims, I mean, were they just grateful to be free? Seems like it. So, I mean, I guess my point here is the more comfort you apply to a person's life, does that raise the chance of them living a very entitled life? Possibly. I think circumstances plays into it, too. I think entitlement, we already felt entitlement pre-COVID, but uh, COVID and all of the results of COVID kind of drove that up even another level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it went from, wow, I want a steak from a restaurant, so I'm going to go, and I'm going to go sit down at that restaurant and eat that steak. And now it's, I want you to cook my steak, and I want you to drive it to my house. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, whereas before delivery was like, you know, there were a few restaurants that delivered, now it's like... Every restaurant has right. to be on board with, you right. know, DoorDash or Grubhub or right. or they can't they they're not they're going to be missing out on an entire chunk of the market because how many people do not go out to eat anymore? They just want it delivered. Right. Like it's all kind of catered to us. We're going to be living in Wally. <laughs> have you seen Wally? I have not. You've never no, seen I the end. Indi- I need to. I've told you about it. I'm I sure. Think so, yeah. Okay. At the anybody listening, at the end of Wally, he gets to this like. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. It's only been out for ten years, so <laughs> no big deal. And I honestly, I don't even think I've seen the whole movie. I've just seen bits just and pieces. The end. And the, well, the ending's so good. Um, is he's been wandering through like this wasteland, and then he gets to like this centralized kind of you know Babylon esque. Like society, but it's so digital. Like it's so digital. Everybody is. They're all incredibly obese, and they're on these little floating pods. And everybody's got a computer screen right in front of their face. And they they're hungry, and a robot like pops up and like out of nowhere and just gives them food. Or like it's like everything is at their becking call. But they're all so unhealthy. And at one point, like, this guy falls out of his chair and he can't even, like, get himself back into the chair. And it's Pixar, so it's, you know, hilarious. But in reality, that's so sad. Yeah. And it's a total picture of where we're headed. Yeah. They're talking about, like, you know, the metaverse and all that stuff where you can live in your own little world that every detail of that world is catered to you to the point where if there's an idea – I mean – it's currently happening on social media. If there's a, a worldview that you don't like, well, just interact with it negatively, and they're going to keep pushing on you what you do like. On the flip side, they show you what you hate, too, because they want to keep you engaged. But my point is, like, we're just getting more and more and more and more to this place in the world where everything's tailor-fitted to me. Yeah. 
And the Bible says that's not good for you. Right. And it's definitely not good for the body of Christ. Right. Because it just, it, it breeds arguments in people. So what should we do? What should we do instead of entitlement? Consider the fact that God owes you nothing, that you deserve hell. You already said that earlier. Right, yeah. We all do. We all deserve hell. I think uh, it's it's Paul talking about um, he loved us when we were still sinners. Yeah. And I mean, we are sinners. But, but, the, but the thing is, like, if you're in Christ, you have been shown a mercy. You have been shown a grace that you did not deserve. And Jesus expects you to understand that to the point that you turn and you show that same grace and same mercy to a bunch of people yeah. that don't deserve it. Right. And so it really comes down to us counting ourselves as less, as John says, so that Christ may increase in us and yeah. that we can be more and more of a representative of him, right? Because, I mean, like, just because we're a Christian doesn't mean we're going to act like Jesus. Not right away. No, we have to, we have to intentionally right. pray that God would work through us and empower us, that the Holy Spirit would give us the words. I mean, something I was challenged with this week was uh, to pray for um, opportunities to get to act like Jesus. Yeah. How often do we do that? That's yeah. a scary prayer, yeah, that right? Is, that is. It, there's an intentionality about it. You're not going to accidentally act like Jesus. Right. You're not going to accidentally live selflessly. You today have to decide, Jesus said that I am to be selfless and to be his representative and to love more uh, people, I mean, to consider them greater than myself, Right. I have to decide to do that now. I have to make that happen now. And I'm going to do it with God. God's going to do it through me. So I'm going to pray for it. But, like, it's not going to happen by accident. That's, that's I guess, the point here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's first it's recognizing it, next it's doing something about it. Yeah. It's no be do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Go back to the last episode. Go back to the last episode. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Understand. Yeah. Then change the way you are so that you can change the things that you do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the opposite of entitlement in terms of character? I mean, is it that other, others focus? Selflessness. Yeah, selflessness. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I, yeah. I think that's it. it. Well, I guess it would be um, entitlement being like with title. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So, so title-less. Humility. It's humility. It's yeah. humble. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's literally, like, think of that. What was Jesus' title? God. God. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the universe. Yeah, yeah. and he King just said, kings. we're going to set that over here, and I'm going to go be a servant now. Yeah. And, 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 like, that's what we're called to do. And, and the thing is, we don't and even I'm have a title in the first place. from Nazareth, and they're going to say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> right. Dude, here. Sorry, we're doing this. We're going all the way back because um, I, I, I've been trained at this point to do this, and I, I love it. Take it back to the garden. Yeah. This is the first sin. Not just on humanity's part, on Satan's part. It was entitlement. Huh. Yeah. Satan decided, I deserve to be God. Self-focus. Yeah. And then he told us, you deserve to be God. And we yeah. went, yeah, I do. 
and then we tried to take it for ourselves, and that backfired, and now we All got All you have to do is eat that fruit. Right, right. So, like, nothing oh. has changed. So you know what I saw? What's um, up? I was, I was uh, uh, preparing a, uh, another thing for another podcast, and in Genesis 3, 5, Satan's temptation to Eve is in the day that you eat the fruit, your eyes will be opened mm-hmm. and you'll become like God. Yep. Two verses later, Eve takes the fruit and her eyes were opened and she saw that she was naked. <laughs> she felt shame. It, she didn't feel like God. She felt horrible shame at what she had done. Okay. So that's part of this we haven't discussed yet, which is that's the downside of entitlement. What does entitlement gain you? Well, great question. Yeah. Nothing. It gains you nothing because it just makes other people not like you. Other people don't want to be around you. Guys, we have a name for that today. We literally have an entire category of people summarized by the term Karen. Okay, we have done that because like it's the soccer mom that wants to speak to the manager like that is who that embodies. Right. Like and I worked at Applebee's and that's a real person. Like that's real. That happens way more than it should. And my point is like we've taken the time. Are you going to be okay? Yeah. I've got a friend named Karen. She looked at me one time and said, when did my name become a curse word? And she is the sweetest yeah. lady. Yeah, yeah. Listen, guys, I, I'm not saying anybody named Karen is a Karen. It's just don't be a Karen, Karen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the the point here is like it, it's noticed. People yeah. see you. Oh yeah. When you oh, yeah. when you behave and they avoid you. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. We've all got people in our lives that every time they see you, it's you know. Well, why don't you do this? Well, what are you? What are you doing about that? It's this entitled mindset, and it's like it's not fun to deal with, it, and it just puts stress on other people. It makes people sad. It yeah. feels like nothing you do is good enough. We've all had people like that in our lives, so don't be that person in somebody right. else's life. Right. Like you, you can take this down a theological, very like deep route, you know, or you can look at what Jesus is really trying to do in you, and that's. Make you a better person. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it's that simple. Like, yes, you will be holy. You will be set apart. And people are probably going to like you more for being this way. Like, (laughs) just set yourself aside and put other people first. Yeah. And here's the deal. We are not good at this because we're people. Right. But like I said in the very beginning of this, it's about the awareness. It's about when somebody does call you out and go, hey, why are you acting like this? You don't go... Oh, I'm not acting like that. No, you go, wait, is that Am really I? what I act like? Yeah. Like, and just stop and think about it. And and like Paul says, you know, examine yourself. Examine no, yourself do. constantly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Look at us. <laughs> I'm just glad I got to say the word Karen in a <laughs> in a podcast. This, that's cool. All right. I think we're done here. 
<laughs> I don't have anything else to say. We may have ostracized every single person out no, there. No, <laughs> listen, Randy, that's my rule of thumb. If you're going to call out sin, you got to cut everybody off at the knees. Okay. So they're all on an even playing field. you got to attack everybody at the yeah, same time. Yeah, but we kind of singled out Karens. <laughs> well, well, we're all Karens sooner or later. Eventually, I think we are. Yeah, yeah, Karens are just, you know, that's just a title for an entitled person. That's that's all that is. That's that's it. So, yeah, we're, we're all Karens sooner or later. It's just don't be. That's all. That's all Jesus is saying. Maybe that's a sermon. It's not. That's... It's definitely not. Um, y'all, thank you for listening. If you have questions, or maybe you hate us now because we said the word Karen, um, <laughs> send us your questions or your hate mail or whatever to questions at Salty Saints. Uh, no, questions at becomehope.com yeah. or salty saints at becomehope.com. Right. I'm going to get these straight one day. Also, we have a website now and it's lovely. Please come visit us there. It's called salty saints And you can go there and you can leave us your uh, voicemail because listen, yes. we want to hear your prayers. Please send us your prayers. Uh, I need to check and see if anybody sent those actually, oh. but please do. Do it. We want to hear them because we want to pray for you. We would like to kind of add that in and make that part of the show if it would take off. That'd be awesome. I think it's great. Um, Let's see here. Oh, if you are in the Indianapolis area and you're looking for a church, please check us out. We're New Hope uh, New Hope Church on the south side of Indy in the Greenwood area. Uh, we'd love to have you. Love to have you check us out. Check our website at becomehope.com. Bingo. Um other than that, go check out our friends at lifeaudio.com. There are partners in this podcast. They have lots and lots and lots of podcasts over there and all sorts of biblical uh, uh, topics, I guess you could say. Um, but where whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through right now, they've definitely got something over there that, that's going to be catered to you. Uh, so get over there, check them out, and until next time, stay salty. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.